Today we want to wrap up our, uh, our series. We've, we've been in this series for six weeks called Know Your Enemy. And we've been talking about just the importance of being aware that there is a war. That um, we serve a, a risen Savior and he is a king who makes us overcomers. But at the same time, we have an enemy that Jesus describes as a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And in this series, what I've tried to do is just kind of help make you aware of how the enemy works because sometimes I think we, we understand the enemy, but sometimes I don't think we do at all. And I just feel like the more that we know our enemy, the better prepared we'll be for this war that we're in. And I thought of a, a great, just a great visual this week. Um, how, how many of you are already done Christmas shopping? Anybody already done? Oh, we hate you. Thank you. How many of you have, how many of you are excited for Christmas because you found the perfect gift for someone that you've, something you've been looking at? How many, come on, how many of you, anybody get the, yeah, excited. I did that last year. I was so excited. You know, as you get older, you're harder to buy for. Um, you know, Wanda and I are at that age that we don't need anything. We really don't want anything. We're trying to get rid of stuff, not add stuff. And, and so it's just harder and harder, particularly to buy for, for each other. But uh, last year, I was really excited because um, I saw something that I thought my wife really might like. Uh, throw that picture up on the screen for me. Um, we have an outdoor nativity scene like that uh, in our yard, and um, uh, it's, it's, we've had it for years, and it's, it's wood, and it's just getting weathered. And last year, when I was uh, put, putting it together out there, I realized this thing is falling apart and uh, really need another one. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be a great gift? Well, lo and behold, um, I'm scrolling on Facebook one day, and I saw this advertisement for one just like that. And uh, I thought, oh, that's so good. It wasn't horribly expensive, and my wife's worth whatever it costs anyway. So I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to order this for, and I ordered it in plenty of time, but it, it never came. And, you know, Christmas comes, Christmas goes, it's still not there. And so now I'm emailing back and forth, and I realized once I had to finally get in contact with this company, this company was not of this country. And at times I felt like they were not of this world, you know. So I'm, I'm emailing, and I'm trying to get it, and it, oh, it's coming, it'll be there, you know, blah, 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 and it's on its way, and blah, 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 and back and forth, and back and forth. And finally, I was so excited, they said, it'll be there tomorrow, and it came. This is what they sent me, a little pressed, what do you call that? Not even plastic. I mean, it's just, just a piece of junk with a couple of, does this look like that picture at all? I mean, a couple of the characters are the same. I mean, that's really about it. I couldn't believe I got this. And, um, and, and I, I thought, that's not what I ordered. I mean, I, I paid great money for, for that. And uh, so I emailed them back and their email response was, are you saying that your, that your item was not up to your satisfaction? And I emailed them back and I said, no, what I'm saying is you lied to me. You said this was a huge four foot thing and it was, it's 10 inches at best. And uh, back and forth and, you know, fortunately PayPal refunded my money and all that kind, all kind of stuff. But I thought, when I thought of it this week when I was actually online looking for another gift, I haven't learned my lesson yet, so I was looking for another gift. But I thought of that and I thought, that's exactly what the enemy does. 
The enemy shows you this and gives you that. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And we need to understand that. Amen? Well, I want to I wrap up today in this series with a piece of this that I, I think it's going to be a, a little hard. And in fact, I have no doubt that some of the things I'm going to say today are, are, are probably going to upset a few of you, and that's okay. Uh, upsetting people is a part of my job description. It's a part of what I'm called to do. Um, but I, I want to talk about this enemy as an angel of light. Are you ready? Once you take your sermon outline out, uh, out with and take a look at it, uh, you can track along with me. We'll throw this up on the screen. I want you to look at the passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter, 14, or chapter 11, verse 14. In the context of this, Paul is writing to the church, talking about people who are presenting themselves as apostles and teachers and these great leaders for God, and they are not. They are ungodly people. And here's what Paul says in the midst of the context, and he says, read it with me out loud. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan himself masquerades as what? An angel of light. Now, I, I just kind of stepped back and I, I started trying to unpack that and go, now, what does that look like? You know, how, how in the world can the enemy come maybe as something that even on the surface looks good or feels good and yet not really be good at all? Or how does the enemy take something that's good and bend it to where it's not? Are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to give you five of them that I thought of, and there were actually a bunch more, but let me just give you five of them. I'll try to give them to you pretty quick. Here's the first one. The, the enemy becomes an angel of light whenever we develop spiritual obsessions. The enemy becomes an angel of light whenever we become and uh, develop spiritual obsessions. Now, what, what I mean by that is that sometimes in our journey of faith, what happens to some of us is that we get so fixated on one part of the faith or one piece of theology or one doctrinal issue that we just lock in on that to the exclusion of everything else. And when we do that, we think, we think we're growing deep, but we're not. What we're doing actually is being distracted from a lot of the real work that God wants to do in our lives. Does this make sense to you? I, I had a guy. I had a guy in our in our church here years years ago, uh, when I was here as a youth pastor. Um, guy that I had developed a, a pretty good relationship with, but he 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 got fixated on the whole idea of faith, and he came to this place of just believing that if you just prayed a prayer the right way in Jesus' name, that whatever you said was going to come to pass. Now, once you look at me, hear my heart. I believe God answers prayer. I believe that God sometimes does incredible things. Sometimes God does miracles. Look at me, but not at our command. Are you okay? 
I mean, and then this, this guy got fixated on this so point, and we, he came to my office one day, and we're having this conversation, and he's talking about he believed that any, any physical in, that, uh, infirmity that somebody had, any physical ailment that somebody had, that if you just prayed the prayer and you prayed it the right way, then it would happen, and he believed he had the ability to do that. And, and we're having this conversation, and it was just, it was so crazy, and I finally looked at him, and I said, you don't believe that. And he said, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. He said, why do you say that? I said, because you're wearing glasses. Are you okay? I mean, if you really believe that, why don't you just take this off and go, whatever that magic words that you say. You know, again, can God correct our eyesight? Sure he can. But what if he doesn't? Are, are you okay? Are you okay if God says No. Because sometimes, again, we get so locked in on things, we think it has to be a certain way. And this guy was just so bent on that. Now, here's the, the layer beneath the layer. I knew that this guy was struggling with some addiction in his life and that his marriage was on the rocks and about to go any minute. Now, I just want you to get this. He's fixated on faith when I believe the real work that God wanted to do with what was going on in here, in his home, in his marriage, and in his personal life. And I think sometimes our fixations with things are the way that the enemy distracts us from the real work that God wants to do. Does this make sense to you? Okay. I want you to look with me on your outline. I, I, I wrote this statement. I said, you know, some people read the Bible like a tabloid rather than reading it as a transforming truth. And we want to, you know, we want to get fixated on, on these little, little typical, little myths and whatever, miracles, things, and we, we don't get the bigger picture of what God's really up to. Look at what, look at what Hebrew, or first tech, uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy. He said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. Read it with me. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Look at me. What's God up to? God is primarily trying to transform you into the image of his son. And that's what the enemy wants to distract you from. Again, it's okay to, to, to have things that you like to study. It's okay to have issues and things that you like to unpack. It's okay to have theological ideas that you like to spend time with. That's okay. But don't ever let the enemy take something that's good and use it to distract you from the real work that God wants to do in here. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a second one. The enemy becomes an angel of light when, when our perspectives <laughs> become more important to us than people. When our perspectives become more important to us than people. Okay, this is church, Sunday morning, great place to confess. Let's just go ahead and get it out. How many of you be honest enough to admit this morning that you are opinionated? Come on. How many of you are sitting next to someone who's opinionated? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it, it, it's so funny. And it's okay. It's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to be strong-willed. God's wired all of us to be a, a little bit different. But do your opinions matter more to you than the people in your life? Because for some of us, it's more important to be right than it is to be in right relationships. I, I saw this in the news. You may have seen this uh, last March. Uh, throw that picture up on the screen for me. 
Uh, in Brooklyn, at one of the busiest intersections in New York City, um, there were two buses that kind of met. They didn't crash, but they met head on. What happened was there, there was a, a minivan that was parked in the wrong place, and the bus had to swing out and get around it. And when it did, there was another van, another bus that came the other way, and just as it was turning the corner, and they kind of got kind of right in front of each other, and here was what happened. Both bus drivers refused to move for 30 minutes. Now, you think traffic's bad in Oklahoma City? Go to New York City. And, and in 30 minutes' time, you can imagine the gridlock that was for miles. And these two bus drivers, they're, they're, both, they're both arguing over the, <coughs> the, which one had the right-of-way, who was in the right spot, and you're not in the right spot. And they're, they're going back and forth, and they're arguing back. Throw that next picture up on the screen. They, they got out. I mean, the guy they even got out of their buses, and they're arguing. Bystanders got into it. People got out of their cars. They got this whole crowd of people. Somebody in the, in the description, if you go back and watch the video on this, somebody says, this is New York at its finest, man. I mean, you know, people who are right, and they're gonna not, never going to admit that they're not right. And finally, it took another bus driver who finally talked one of the bus drivers into just backing up so the other bus could get by and everybody could go on their way. How hard would it have been to say, it doesn't matter who's got the right away, let's fix this. But whenever our opinions matter more than the people around us. Look at me, just want you to hear my heart. That's the enemy. Because he wants to drive a wedge between you and the people in your life. I love what Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, verse 15. Read it with me. He says, but instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. Now, it's okay to stand for truth. It's okay to believe in truth. But do you just speak truth or do you speak truth in love? That's the Jesus way. I put the statement there I mentioned it a moment ago. When we love being right more than we love being in relationship with the people around us, that's the enemy. Let me give you a third one. The enemy comes as an angel of light when we feel like we alone hear from God. When we feel like we alone hear from God. I wish I had a dollar for every time in 40 years of ministry somebody came up to me and said, God told me to tell you. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, wanna, I want you to hear my heart with this. God speaks to me through people sometimes. God has messages that he gives to people and relays it through it. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. But it's so interesting to me how many people feel like they have cornered the market on God and that God speaks to them and nobody else. Now, look at me. If you're one of those people that go, me and God, we got this special thing going on that nobody else has got, look at me. That's the enemy. It's not God. God loves you. He'll talk to you, but not only you. I was, I was teaching uh, over at Mid-America at the, at the college on a, uh, Cliff Sanders had asked me to speak to the, to the ministry association for all the ministry students, and, and um, he'd asked me to talk about leadership and vision, and I had made this presentation, talk, and then we were doing, we were doing a, a question and answer time. And in the Q&A, one of the... Um, 
one of the ministerial students said to me, he said, well, what if, what if you have a vision from God for your church, but nobody else is getting it? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, what if you get a vision from God for the church and, and all of the board disagree and all the people in the church disagree? What do you do? And I started laughing. I said, well, first off, you better go back and pray again about that vision. And I said, and secondly, if it's an unrelenting vision and nobody's buying it, you probably need to leave and go somewhere else. And, and, and he, he, he couldn't get that. And he goes, but, but why would you do that? You're the man of God. And I looked at him and I said, no, 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 no. I am one of the men of God at our church. Because the day that I believe I've cornered the market on God and God speaks to me and doesn't speak to my board or my congregation, ladies and gentlemen, all of a sudden the Trinity has become a quartet. Some of you about two o'clock, that'll sink in and you'll laugh. You'll think that, you'll think that's funny. But, but that's, that's, what we're, that's what we do. And, and it was so important for me to help understand. And you, we got to get this. Because again, I hear from God, I hope. And there are things that I relay. But, but we have to understand. In the Old Testament, this is where we get lost. In the Old Testament, the, the prophets and people, they, they went up on the mountain. They heard from God. They came down and told the people what God was saying. Look at me. But this is not the Old Testament. This is the New Covenant. Amen? The new covenant. And God operates differently today. How? Look at the passage of scripture from Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Read it out loud. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon, on who? All people. In other words, all of us who receive Jesus Christ as our personal savior have the spirit of God living in us and God has that ability to speak to all of us. And if you think you're the only one hearing from God, I love you, but you're wrong. That's not God, that's your ego. That's the enemy trying to make you believe. He's trying to take something good and bend it in an unhealthy way. I love Proverbs 15, 22. This is something I've had to learn through the years. Read it with me. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Let me give you a, another one, fourth one. The enemy can come as, a, as an angel of light when we trust our emotions over truth. When we trust our emotions over truth. Truth. I put a statement there. I want you to read it out loud with me. My feelings are real, but they're not always the truth. Read it again. My feelings are real, but they're not always the truth. Now look at me. I want you to hear my heart. Not every time that you feel rejected are you rejected. Not every time that you feel abandoned, are you really abandoned? Not, not every time you feel alone, are you really alone? Not every time you feel like the world's ending, is the world really ending? If I could give you one gift today to go home with, it would be take your emotions and line them up against the truth of what God says. Now, this is really important. Because if we don't, we get lost and the enemy takes this emotional roller coaster ride that some of us are on and he just makes us believe that our world is so different from what it really is. 
Um, I remember years ago, I, uh, I was teaching in West Virginia, and I, did a, I was doing a, a teacher training workshop for a bunch of people from that state. And after, after the uh, set conference was over, I had this young lady who, who came up to me, and she started talking to me. She was thanking me for what I shared that day, and blah, blah, blah. And so we got into this conversation. I said, well, so what do you do at your church? And, and she was talking about her roles, and she said, I, uh, she goes, my favorite thing, she goes, I'm a, I'm a fifth and sixth grade teacher. And I said, oh, great. And then she dropped her head, and she goes, but I'm afraid I'm not very good. And I said, you don't think you're very good? She said, no. I said, did your pastor tell you you, were, you weren't a good teacher? And she said, oh, no, pastor is very affirming. I said, did your Sunday school superintendent tell you you were not a good teacher? And she said, oh, no, our Sunday school superintendent really, really thinks I'm doing a good job. I said, have the parents of the kids in your class, have some of them told you that you're not doing a good job with their kids? And she said, oh, no, said, the parents love me and tell me how much their kids enjoy Sunday school. And I said, did, did the kids, have the kids reacted to you in such a way? Are they ignoring you? Are they sleeping in class? Are they, are they not participating? Are, are they telling you that? And she goes, oh, no, the kids really seem to, to love me because they, they actually, on some days on their way home from school, I'll be out on my porch and they'll stop by and she went, well, sometimes we'll just sit on our porch and talk about the Sunday school lesson. She goes, I have a great relationship with them. And I just reached up and I, I just took this girl's face in my hands and I said, honey, somewhere along the way, someone lied to you. Someone told you you were dumb. Someone told you you would never amount to anything. Someone told you that, that you weren't able or didn't have the ability or that you weren't smart. Somewhere along the way, some people spoke some things into your life, and the enemy is taking those old tapes, and he's replaying them over and over and over. Everyone in your life is confirming that you are a great teacher. Seize that. You are a princess. You are a child of the king. His spirit lives in you, and you are capable of great things. Amen? And that's the truth, regardless of how you feel. You remember last week, I was talking about Elijah and how the enemy is so sneaky, and he tries to use things like discouragement to make us think that God has abandoned us. And last week I talked about how after Elijah had this great victory at Mount Carmel, he heard that Jezebel was after him and he got scared and he runs to the mountain and kind of feels like all he's worked for is, is for naught. And you remember last week I talked about how he goes up on the mountain before God and he just says, Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough. Just let me die. I've had enough. Well, I want to go back to that conversation on your outline. I want you to look at what Elijah says to God as he, as he continues with that. Read it with me, that first line. He says, I am the only one left. Now they are trying to kill me. That first part, just again, I am the only one left. Now, what is that? What is that? That's emotion. That's how he feels. He's been out there doing about it, and he feels very alone. Was that the truth? Now, look at what it says. And the Lord told him, go, go back the same way you came. Anoint Haziel, anoint Jehu, anoint Elijah. Read it with me. I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel. How many? How many others? How many? 7,000. Was Elijah alone? 
know he wasn't alone. Not only was God with him, he had 7,000 other people with him. If he believed his emotion, you lose the war. And somewhere along the way, for, for some of us, particularly people like me who are heart people, you know, we, we, we wear our emotions on, on our sleeves and it's, it's so easy. And for us, you know, life is like this. But just because life is like this, it doesn't mean God is like this because God is like this. And he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. The enemy wants you to believe that your emotions are truth. They're not. They may be very real emotions, but they're just not always the truth. Can I give you one more? The enemy becomes an angel of light when we put people in the place of God. When we put people in the place of God. Acts 17 gives us a great statement of the way our life of faith ought to be. Read it out loud with me. For in him we live and move and have our being. Now, I just want you to think, in him, in God, in Christ, in him we live and we move and we have our being. We know who we are. Is that true for you? Or are there important pieces of your life that you've put in the hands of other people. Well, what am I talking about? I gave you three. There's probably a bunch of them, but let me just give you three. Whenever people become your primary source of faith, whenever people become your primary source of faith, it's so funny to me. Every, every once in a while, I'll, I'll have someone who I, I run into during the week or have a conversation with, run into them at Walmart or at the store or something, and we're chatting, and they'll say something to me like, Pastor Steve, are you going to be there this Sunday? Because they know I travel a good bit. And I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be there. So, Why? And they said, well, you know, sometimes if you're not there, I just, I don't go. And it's, it's, they, they mean it as flattery. What they mean is, oh, you're such a super pastor that, you know, when you're, at least that's in my mind. That's what I think, I think they're saying. You know, that, 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 and, and you know what I say to people when they say that? This is so funny because people say, you know, if you're not there, I don't, I don't go. You know what I say to them? Why don't you go? If you're not there, I go. I don't call you up every week and go, are you going to be at church? Because if you're not going, I'm not going. I don't, you know, I don't, I, you know I'm, I'm there. And if I'm there, and here's, here's the other thing. And I want you to get to, if the only reason you're coming to church is to see me on this stage, ladies and gentlemen, you're coming for the wrong reason. Because I am not God. I am just a man. I honestly, look at me, hear my heart. I am just like you. I am flesh and blood. I struggle with life. I wrestle with the enemy just like you do. And the day you believe I am anything more than just a man, that's the enemy in your head. Sometimes we put way too much stock on, 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 on spiritual leaders as superheroes. And I've got some great people I, I love. I love Rick Warren. I love John Maxwell. People like Andy Stanley and some of these people who have, have rocked the world for Jesus. And it's so easy to make rock stars out of these people. And here's what you need to know. They are just flesh and blood. Amen. Don't put your faith in people. Don't let your faith be dependent upon people. They can't be that. Secondly, whenever people become your primary source of identity. 
It's like this gal I talked about a few moments ago. You can't let people define who you are. Some of us put our self-esteem in the hands of people around us. And whoever they tell us we are, that's who we believe we are. And look at me. No one has the right to define you except the God who made you. And he says, you're perfect. Just like you are. And he'll take you to become who you need to be. Don't give your identity away. And thirdly, and this is going to hurt a little bit and maybe challenge you a little bit, but when people become your primary source of love, when people become your primary source of love, hear my heart. God created us to live in community. God created us to help one another, encourage one another, build one another up. But people can't be your primary source of love. Because here's what I know. People will always fail you. People who say they love you and really mean that they love you, they're still going to let you down. They're still going to fall short. Sometimes, if we're honest, our love is a because of love. I love you because, or I love you if. God is the only one who will look at you just as you are and love you just as you are. If you don't know God's love, you can't effectively and healthily be in love relationships with other people. Why? Because God is love. Does that make sense? I love this woman sitting on the front row right here. My wife, I love, I love her with all my heart. And I cannot imagine my life without her. But if God takes her home, or, or, or if for some reason we were apart, here's what I know. I am still loved. Amen. I love what Psalm 33 says. Read it with me. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. You know, in this series, as we've talked about the enemy, I keep calling us back to how our journey has to be. And that is, in Hebrews 12, he says, and we do this life of faith by fixing our eyes upon Jesus. For he, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And my prayer for you is that you will do exactly that that you will fix your eyes upon Jesus in such a way that, that God will give you wisdom to discern how the enemies at work around you, that God will help you see through his lies and see through his deceptions and even see through all of the myriad of emotions that you experience. My, my prayer for you is that you would be so locked in on Jesus that you got no time for this enemy who wants to destroy you discourage you or distract you so for just a moment I, I was thinking when I was I wrote this message this week I was thinking my, my mind I went back to my growing up days back in Ohio and an old hymn we used to sing and 
I found myself humming it in my car, and I called Rachel and I said, I, I want to do this, uh, this song, the chorus of this song as, as a response this Sunday. And some of you will remember, it's just an old song that says, let me see Jesus only. Let me see Jesus only. And the last line of that, so important. Only he will satisfy. Look at me. I love you. Nothing in this world will ever fill that hole in your life. Only him. Amen. Lord, that's our prayer today. In all of these ways that the enemy tries to slip into our life and sneak into our life, how he tries to even take good things and bend them into something bad. Father, our prayer today is that you would help us to see through all of the smoke screens that he offers, all of the, all of the, the discouragements, all of the temptations, all of those things that he tries to get in front of us to draw us away. And Lord, today, would you help us to fix our eyes upon you? Lord, I have no doubt that some of us here today have been struggling because we've been believing this angel of light. He's been telling us things that just aren't so, and yet because they seem good to us, we've been walking that trail. Well, today, Father, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you'd help us to let go of those things. You'd help us to let go of unhealthy perspectives. You'd help us to let go of unhealthy obsessions. I, I pray today, Lord, that you would draw us back to the center of your, of, of, of your heart, and that today you would remind us of what you really want out of us. And that is that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, never let us forget that the work that you want to do in us is a work of ongoing transformation. So help us fix our eyes upon Jesus until that day we see you face to face. In your precious name, we pray today and we give you thanks. And everyone said, amen.